right, well, welcome to this episode of the Holy as Hell podcast. I'm CG. I'm DJ, and welcome back to Holy as Hell, mother... (laughs) Yeah! Quarantine up in this hole. Watch me shake it. Watch me roll. Watch me do it in my house because I ain't been outside in months. Woo! Who quarantine? Who quarantine? Ow. You know, you could be TikTok famous if you. No. <laughs> I'm not getting on that app. I'm absolutely. I'm, I will do a lot of things. But download, subscribe, and give TikTok my information is not one of them. I'm not doing it. I stepped across the entered TikTok land on accident. I really just wanted to see how they were doing those waiting to exhale recreation videos. What? Waiting to exhale recreation videos? Yeah. Why? Who <laughs> wait? Who is- I love waiting to exhale. But they're recreating them on TikTok? Yeah, because you can download, you can use the background, and you can use the audio from the movie. And so... Do what? <laughs> Angela Bassett, and she's, like, ripping the clothes out the closet. <laughs> I saw, like, three people do it, and I was like, okay, this can't be that hard. And so my millennial self went ahead and downloaded it, and since then, it has kept me thoroughly entertained people have nothing better to do it's wonderful it's okay you can take a drink i'm gonna have to because i'm just but i know myself this was gonna (laughs) happen just like i I told myself the same thing with instagram i'm like i'm not getting on that Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm i'm not posting pictures of myself i'm not that vain i'm not doing it (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't do it the first month or the second month or the third month or even maybe the fifth month. But something happened around like the six month period. And I was like, it was like at a certain point you had to be on Instagram. Like you just had to be on Instagram. And I've had an Instagram for a long time and I couldn't imagine life without it. Mm-hmm. I don't want TikTok to be that for me. Just but it's slowly creeping into every facet of my life. Creeping up. All the parents make really fun kids videos. All the content creators. All the TikTok dances. Bro, I was on a call with some pastors and they were trying to figure out if they need to make a uh if they need to make a church TikTok. Mm. Now that, see now you got the now you got the pastors and first ladies on there. My pastor in St. Louis is on TikTok. I'm sure, because I've seen a lot of, like, and they hashtag themselves, over 40, over 50, moms of TikTok, dads of TikTok. Mm-hmm. I'm like, y'all are just, just living life. Even the pets got them. I was like, y'all, get off this app and go pay a bill. <laughs> like, go do something. And I'm not one of those people who be like, you know, we got to, you know, um, you know, one of the people who write that like you if you if you leave quarantine and you ain't got a new skill, you hella weak, you hella dumb. I'm like, no, that's okay. So let's stop that. But I, you know, I'm also like, get off TikTok, go read a book. You know, go start a garden. 
or paint a wall? How about you go clean that damn house that you've been avoiding? Because what I'm noticing, some of y'all TikTok videos is some of y'all don't know how to sweep, you don't know how to mop, you don't know how to Lysol, Clorox, which is why we're in, which is why we have a pandemic in the first place. So if y'all stayed off TikTok and stayed using bleach and Clorox, maybe this would be a problem. That's the problem you're avoiding. That's a demon. That's spiritual warfare right there. That that's um, avoidance. The spirit of avoidance, because that don't make no sense. We've been trapped in our house for almost 50, forty longer than forty days. Longer longer than it took God to restart the earth. We've been trapped in our house. Well, you know the flood lasted longer though. Yeah, right. the flood did last longer apparently, and <laughs> it takes some time to clear everything out. In the meantime, on the ark, Noah. I'm sure Noah was on the ark using Lysol, using bleach, using Fabulosa. Like I'm positive the ark was clean. But y'all can y'all can get on and make TikTok for days. Yeah. Remember back at the beginning of the quarantine, everybody was doing the push-up challenges. <laughs> yeah. In on their dirty, unvacuumed floors. I was like, there's no way. I'm if my house is a mess, I'm not posting any part of my house. And my house is always a mess because I have two toddlers running around all day long. Some people don't live their life, though, DJ. Remember when we had Zoom etiquette? People still can on Zoom looking any kind of way. Any type of way. Forget that they can turn off their cameras, turn off their audio. Did you see the video of, um, it was Kevin Hart and, um, dang, what's her name? Oh, you Regina, Regina, Regina <laughs> Hall. Regina Hall. <laughs> she was like, yes, I did. I can I hear did. you. I did. He was like, hey, babe, come look at her. Yeah. <laughs> I can hear you. I watched that all day. SNL has actually been hitting with the uh, Zoom, the uh, their Zoom parodies. It's hilarious because it, it explains exactly how I feel. Like, yeah. I'm Zoomed out. Um, I I can't use virtual background, so I'm not I don't I'm not cool. And we're literally judging people based off the strength of your Zoom. So like, <laughs> if you if if you only have the forty minute joint, you're poor. <laughs> <laughs> if you can only have five people on your Zoom, you're poor. You're ghetto. Um, you know. And so we're, there's, there's, there's talk right now of um, Zoom privilege. <laughs> I, I see it, I hear it. So you were like, oh yeah, I can have a hundred people on my Zoom. You know, I, I can have, yeah, I, you know, we have emojis and icons and all of that shit. I love muting other people. Yeah, I love renaming other people. I've never tried renaming people. When you the host, you can rename people. Fun. I know. No, from I'm gonna shut your ass up, and they'd be like, "Okay." <laughs> but welcome to the season finale of Holy as Hell. Yes. My name is DJ, and I am CG. And you are tuned into two seminarians. Well, one because one graduated, but we'll talk about that later. Oh, I really don't. Well, I guess by the time we release this episode, I will graduate. So, yeah. I'll I'll take that. Thank you. Um, so, we have been in quarantine. <laughs> I've been in quarantine. God knows how long. Or day number 
I, I did see this one TikTok of side note of this one. It was a girl. She but she was pretending to be older. She had she was so it started. It was like twenty forty, and her daughter came up to her and was like, "Mom, I gotta write a paper on um COVID nineteen." And she started having flashbacks. It was like masks, bombs, <laughs> uh, bleach, Lysol, Trump. Uh, oh Dr. Now, like it was all this shit from like this period. And she's like, girl, get away from me. Go on, go on. <laughs> she was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just Google it. It was funny. I, I'll have to find it and send it to you. That was, that was a funny TikTok. I will give them that. I know it'd be some funny shit on that. But anyway. <laughs> Downloads TikTok tonight. <laughs> get off this call. Download it on my phone as we speak. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is our final uh, final episode of season one. We made it. Praise God. This is so we, one thing that made it through 2020. This is through half of 2020. Not counting the murderous bees that have arrived from China. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. 2020 is like that guest that will not leave. <laughs> Oh, you you ever been like at your house and like you you know you've had company and there's like one or two guests that are left and you're like obviously tired you're yawning like you turned off all the lights you you changed into your pajamas and they're still there and you're and you're so tired but you don't want to be rude so you don't accidentally leave that's how 2020 feels like I'm exhausted and I don't have the strength to like fight <laughs> I hate it here man. When they hit, announced that shit about murderous hornets, I was like, we have to be in the Hunger Games. <laughs> we literally, where is Katniss? <laughs> Not saving us. <laughs> y'all got it. Y'all saw the movie. Y'all know exactly what to do. And President Snow and President Trump, there are definite parallels. I'll say that. But yeah, watch the Hunger Games if you haven't seen it. But yes, we made it to the end of our first season. Um, how you feel? Take sips wine. <laughs> That's how I feel. Now this has been a great experiment that I still can't believe we accomplished because we had talked about it for a while. A while. <laughs> a long while. And in the midst of everything, this academic school year, I'm like proud to say that we did this and I'm so glad DJ that you have been my partner in the content creation and the development and like really thinking about how we can take this podcast to the next level I feel like I arrived just because that's what I do but you have really been the driving force of holy as hell well no I'm just I'm just holy as hell I'm not or or barely holy more hellish but no I mean I think you inspire me because you always, Crystal's always on her shit. Like, she's always, like, super professional. Like, even when we're making notes, she'll have, like, five bullet points, and they'll be different colors and color-coded and highlighted and bolded. Uh, She's just super efficient. And, you know, we definitely talked in the beginning. It was like, there are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there um and so like her always making being organized it just made it easier because i can be all over the place um and she definitely is like oh nelly rain in 
right? <laughs> I need order. And yeah. I need that. I need that because I'm a, because I'm a, you know, I have very big ideas. And then when they crash and land, I get all depressed. Mm -hmm. So I'd be, so I'm thankful. I'm, and I'm thankful for this. This did keep me sane during this semester. I was talking to, um, the Con Ed office at Emory earlier today. And they were like, this semester has felt like two semesters. Cause it uh -huh. literally started off as a regular semester and then halfway became another type of semester. Uh, and then even now ending with people going into study abroad or well, not anymore, but like summer internships and externships um, and, and uh, summer school. So it, it, it's like it's like the pandemic that never ends. <laughs> but this has been definitely a project. I'm proud to say we started. I'm proud of us for doing it for what we wanted to do was which was really just start like. Um, millennial conversations about faith from really the black experience. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not something we get to talk about or that's really talked about um, in our own way, in our own voice and not saying we, you know, um, talked about everything, but I'm just proud of us for starting the conversation and in preparation for what, we'll, what we will continue to do. So yeah. proud of you too. Mm -hmm. Yay, holy as hell, hell. Holy as hell, 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 hell. <laughs> and so to kind of, I guess, um, start our final episode, we wanted to kind of go back to what we talked about. We started this season. This season was really focused on uh, the Torah mm -hmm. uh, or the Pentateuch for our scholars out there. Uh, <laughs> and for us lay people like me, that just means the first five books of the Bible. Um, and we wanted to focus on that one because a lot of time, a lot of times it's really skimmed over. It's not given its due diligence and it really sets the tone. Like those books set the tone for the, the rest of the Bible. Um, they are, they are placed specifically in that order for a reason. They were uh, placed as the first books for a reason. And, and the implications and the way that they're used is huge. The way that they influence political structures, moral uh, structures, moral ethics, society. Um, they, they're interreligious, so they touch Christianity, Judaism, um, agnostics, um, uh, Islam, the nation of Islam, Buddhists. Like they're, they're, they, they, they're interdisciplinary, I guess would be the term. And so we wanted to start off with those books because of just the, the power that they wield as literary devices and just kind of how, like, what is the millennial, what is the millennial take on those books or something that, you know, how do those fit into our culture? Right. And each of the books could like be their own season if we wanted to dive deeper. And I think what I love about them is that they, carry this storyline from start to finish where we get this origin story of these people who encounter God in just wonderful and magnificent ways but they also disobey God a lot and so they, it sets the scene for um, God's people needing a savior later on so what happens when we finally make it to the promised land, this place that our ancestors had dreamed about, and it's not 
what we thought it was going to be and we continue to rebel because of that I just I love all five books especially now that we've had a chance to dive deeper into them too yeah that was that definitely was key for me because even in myself I noticed that I was all sometimes afraid to tackle those books because they they are so heavy um and we and we didn't and we didn't even cover like in our analysis we didn't even cover like like we did large leaps and bounds through these books but if you dive into genesis and i mean we can kind of go there first we missed a lot like we didn't talk a lot of, about um it goes so much deeper than just adam and eve you know once they're expelled from the garden we see adam and eve in a completely new terrain uh, we see their children. We see their children's children. We see God unplug the TV <laughs> and wait ten seconds and then put them back in. <laughs> yeah, like exit. Like Genesis is, is literally the drama that we all crave from a good TV show. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good drama. It's basically Game of Thrones without dragons and incestuous twins. Maybe. Maybe. But <laughs> there's a whole thing about like the heavenly hosts and the the women on earth. Yeah, there there is that. Yeah, that whole thing with Jacob and it ain't. Yeah, we can. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so we just kind of wanted to take a minute to like go through and just briefly talk about what we missed in each book. And this won't be a comprehensive list at all. Um, and hope, but hope the goal is that hopefully this sparks you to want to go and possibly read it for yourself. Um, and that's some, that was another goal of this season too, was to make the Bible more accessible right. uh, to everyone. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times we took the, the Bible is used in, in, in high academic circles or it's used to influence people. And so sometimes people feel afraid to like use the Bible for themselves, right. but you know, it's something accessible. And so definitely dive in and you know let us know what you think but uh we'll kind of just go through and talk about what each one is missed you cool with that chris yep let's do it all right so genesis like you know kind of what we just mentioned genesis we didn't talk about a lot but genesis it starts with adam and eve and i believe it ends with is it joseph yes and that damn coat (laughs) and his brothers yeah which is a fantastic story if you would like a really great movie Go to Netflix and type in Joseph, some <laughs> uh, with dreams. It's basically like the knockout version of Prince of Egypt. But yeah, but Genesis is like fantastic. Uh, it's really, for me, Genesis really was like about relationships. And Genesis is also like, I'm just looking at it as a book. It's literally setting the tone for the rest of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So it's it's setting the tone for like how man became sinful or evil or you know for all those things that men that men will struggle with throughout the rest of the books. Genesis is that origin, which I think is what Genesis literally means. The translation is in, into origins. Um, and so for me, this book is really about setting the stage for the covenant, but it's also about relationships. Um, in Genesis, we see a lot of different type of relationships from husband and wife. Uh, brothers, sisters, supervisors, employees, etc. And so I'm wondering 
even in understanding Genesis, how it's you, how it should be looked at to uh, think about relationships. My favorite part of Genesis is something we didn't talk about, but it's actually the story with Noah. Um, and for, from a personal standpoint, I love that part of Genesis because, you know, we look at the part where God literally unplugs the earth and it's like, nah, niggas, we do, we're doing this over. Again. But, yeah, but it makes me think about, like, a lot of times we focus on that, but I'm focused on that, like, as an anthropomorphic act. Like, in our own lives, how can we restart and start over? Hmm. Like, the same way God did with the earth. He was like, yeah, this ain't gonna work. But God did, but God didn't get rid of everything. You know, God took some of the stuff that was already there and started over. And so in our lives, I heard so many people talk about, especially nowadays, in our culture, oh, I'm I'm getting rid of all this. And I think some stuff in our lives is meant to stay. Hmm. Or some stuff in our lives we can use to start over. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So that's kind of always been an interpretation for me with Genesis, but um there's so much in genesis it's literally the drama that doesn't end <laughs> um yeah hmm. to that point about noah i was having a conversation today about what it means to similarly to what noah does pack up and and go and watch everything change around you like, I think there's an important conversation about what it means to hear from God and then to act on what you hear that extends past, like, the normal nar- narrative of, um, you know, Noah has to get on the boat because God told him to. But what would have happened to Noah had he not got on that boat? Or mm, not wow. Dark, right? And what you're saying about, um, you know, taking some of those things with you but also discerning what needs to stay. Yeah. Like, I'm in a season where I'm learning how to, like, start packing up and go ahead and get on my little arc. I can't take everybody with me. I can't take everything with me. And I have to be, I have to anticipate what it will look like once the rain stops and once the flood is over. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to start over? That's good. I like that. Cause I, and that's true. Cause we need, you gotta be selective about what's in your life. Um, I was literally in a conversation about this with somebody the other day, but like where, where I am now, with being almost 30, it's like, nah, I'm not for everybody. And everybody can't have access to me like that anymore. Like maybe when I was 21, maybe when I was 23, but something clicked around 27. I was like, nah, I, I, I can't have all this access and really needing to be clear and set boundaries. And I think that, I think in Genesis is, is rich because it talks about those relationships. Yeah. Like Noah and his wife. Like I could imagine that conversation when he told his wife like, yo, Time ago. So, listen, <laughs> we're gonna build this arc, right? And I got really specific dimensions about this shit. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna quit my job. Mm. Um, and me, you, and the kids, and all like two of every animal on earth are gonna get on this shit. 
And it's gonna rain for a bit. Not sure how long. Like I can just could imagine. Like, are you crazy? Like I, Chauncey. <laughs> Chauncey be like, what? She, I don't know about that. <laughs> so uh yeah, I even even the relationships that aren't like mentioned. Um, another thing about Genesis. And um, we talked about this earlier, but Genesis also has also has racial implications. Yeah. Um, specifically, when you look at the um, again with Noah, Noah in the relationship with uh, one of his sons named Ham, um, who saw his father naked. Noah got drunk, and <laughs> Ham saw it, and and Ham got cursed, and it's traditionally called the curse of Ham. But that's been a uh, that's been used to justify the enslavement of of Africans and black peoples. Is that Ham's curse was one of color, and so um, there are a lot of early there's a lot of early missionary work that's been written about that about Ham's curse, uh, colonization, um, um, missionaries who were sent all over the world. Uh, so they're so, they're so, and I think this is something we try to drive to, that this book is, is the regardless if you take it, take it as, if you read it as authoritative or not, it has implications that affect uh, the political structures of this world. Right. That's, you know, that, that just is what it is. And so in understanding how structures are created, I've had to understand these books in a more deeper way right and so it's, it's become less about do i do i agree or disagree and for me it's been more about how are they used um and why was this written and so i've been i've done more of interrogating uh the context than the accuracy if that makes sense yeah come on historicity you know i'm trying to embrace the historian part of me I'm such a historian. Well, speaking about how the text is used, thinking about Exodus, DJ, you came across a video that compared coronavirus to Passover. And we've seen a lot of wild theology <laughs> over the past, well, really this year. Like, we have to be responsible with how we're using the Bible, how we're reading the Bible, because sometimes we make these claims and these jumps because we want it all to make sense. And that's not always possible. So case in point, I couldn't go back and find the video. Oh, I, you should have asked me. Because I have that much. <laughs> but I did do some exploring to see, well, how could someone make such a leap? You know, coronavirus is out here killing thousands on thousands of people. Um, but how is that related to Passover, other than the fact that this year's Passover and Easter we had to commemorate them very differently because we couldn't gather and worship together. And so Passover happens in Exodus 12. And so before we get to 
the read or read C, depending on how you've read the text and you've learned it, and right after the plagues, there's this moment where God tells Moses and Aaron that everybody in their house, or not everybody in the house, every household needs to go ahead and take a lamb, needs to keep it for 14 days, have to slaughter it at twilight, and then take the blood from the slaughter and put it on their doorpost. And then once they were done splattering blood everywhere, take the lamb inside, roast it, and eat it. And we know God gives really specific instructions. And so this is called Passover because mm -hmm. the Lord is going to pass through the land and strike down every firstborn. Mm -hmm. Right? So this is a form of God's judgment. And so Moses and Aaron go tell the people, this is one of the few moments where the people actually listen the first time and go do as they're told. And so at midnight, after everything is said and done, and the Israelites have put blood on their doorpost, eating the lamb, midnight, the Lord passes over and does what the Lord says the Lord will do, right? And so the text says that there's a loud cry heard in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. And so the Egyptians at this point are done with Moses. They are ready for the Israelites to get on out of there, right? Because this happens right after the 10 plagues. So Pharaoh's like, look, y'all got to go. Get up out of here. But he also asked for a blessing too, which is an interesting line of scripture. And it's one thing for your enemy to kind of try to push you out, but it's another one when your enemy asks you to pray for them. Mm -hmm. It's a whole nother story. So that's Passover in a nutshell. So I came across this article today and it's entitled, why Passover 2020 during the coronavirus quarantine is different from all other Passovers. And the author points out that one of the traditions during Passover, during the meal, there are four questions asked that try to get to the point that Passover should be different from any other night. And so in the context of coronavirus, the author writes that this year's retelling of the Israelites' exodus will be a tragic comedy. So the Jews that were escaping bondage to have many of their descendants wind up living in a nation that claims to be the richest, most compassionate, and freedom-loving country in the world, while simultaneously asking its doctors to reuse medical supplies and warehouse workers to surrender their safety for minimum wage. And so the dinner ends with this phrase, and I did not say Hebrew, so I apologize for my Hebrew scholars. Lashana Haba. And so this translates to next year in Jerusalem. And so some of our Jewish siblings take this to think about what their journey would be like returning back to Jerusalem, like the actual physical place. But some, like the author, take it as like the spiritual journey 
of what would happen if we were able to create this place on earth like in having hope for a renewal so like very similar to when people talk about heaven on earth how is it that or how can we come against these systems and these institutions that continue to try to keep us in bondage just like the story with the israelites when will there be a time where that starts to change So I thought that was really interesting in a unique way if we're going to tie Passover and Easter to coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, that's the appropriate way to do it. Um, <laughs> what, what I've seen, I've just noticed, and this is a larger issue since everybody's in the house, everybody's on social media more, so everybody is like spewing their theology on going live every day. One, y'all are, y'all are literally going live every day. Like y'all gonna go live every day? Yeah, I keep up appearances. I'm tired. Um, <laughs> but also, I mean, when I saw it, it it just made me think about one. When I clicked in the video and clicked right out, because you know when you go live and your name pops up, you know yeah. people take that as affirmation. So let me talk longer. It's like when somebody's preaching and you say amen and they're like, oh, well, if y'all going to make me happy, that's not what that means. Yeah. So I clicked out and then went back after it was over. But it was very much to the point of like, yeah, God's chosen people are going to get passed over on Corona. Um, and, 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 that, and that's just, that's just bad for a lot of reasons, which are obvious, mm-hmm. but, uh, this is from somebody who I expected was is expected to be theologically trained, and this is just another case in point of like how these texts are used to like influence like moral opinion. So like now the thing is like oh well if you have corona you did something wrong, or oh if you have corona God didn't pick you, or you not in you not in the elite, or if, or if or if you get this and that's not how this works like. That's not how this works. Um, that's not how it worked in during the Black Plague. It's not how it worked for the Salem Witch Trials. It's not how it worked for H1N1. Like diseases don't work like that. They don't. And we do, we do, we do communities really harm when we suggest when we suggest that type of like punishment that God is punishing people with sickness because of like they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Amen to that. So you know I. I feel it. Um, so what was next? What did we talk about next? Leviticus? Leviticus. Leviticus was a mess. Okay. Um, basically, Leviticus is like the biblical constitution. Like, Leviticus is like, do this or get out. <laughs> basically, is what it is. And so, I mean, one thing about Leviticus, I know we didn't really talk about were it's not more or less but it's more or less a question i want to ask you i i think that it applies but leviticus is the the law book and i'm wondering about how we reconcile the law book with what we talk about here and we you know we talk about the law book is like i'm also abolitionist so i like 
am fervently against laws that are oppressive. And there are some laws in Leviticus that are oppressive, like law, like laws about sex and uh, clothing, mm -hmm. uh, about how to treat sick people, about how to worship. Yeah. And I'm a rabble rouser, so I actively push against laws. But is there, and Chris, this is for you, is there an okay time to not obey the law? What do you think? I think absolutely. I think when, so Leviticus, the laws are situated for very particular reasons. And if I remember this episode or when we are going over Leviticus, there was this sense of God trying to create this community of people. So we've come out of bondage. We're on our way to wherever God or wherever Moses is leading us. And so there has to be some rules. There has to be some order to what's going on. I think the problem when we read and hear about laws, first, laws come from whoever is in charge. Um, so in particular here, God's in charge. Moses is the mouthpiece, basically. And so those laws had to stand for particular reasons. So when I think about the laws in our country, where we live today in 2020, we don't, first don't have a strong sense of community because we're an entire country and our laws were created to keep certain people that's in good. certain places, in other people, in other places. That's good. So our haves, our have-nots, our whites versus our, our brown, black folks. Um, and who created those laws? Who enacted those laws? That's good. And so I hate when people point to Leviticus for particular things because it becomes the the bible then becomes a rule book and we know that the bible is not a rule book the bible includes um stories text scripture that should inspire us to live a certain way but I shouldn't point to Leviticus whatever to tell you about something that you're doing in your life. Because I think that's what you would, what we talked about presentism. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, we don't live in that space or time. So we have to do our work as readers of the Bible and the scripture to recognize what the bigger picture is. What is it that, Leviticus is trying to communicate to us. Within our smaller communities, we have ways and norms for living. So there are very particular ways in which I should approach my brothers and sisters at church. There are ways in which I engage my classmates at school. There are ways that I act in the workplace that I may not act in the same way around my friends and family because there are different codes there are different yeah quote unquote 
laws that are in place to make sure we maintain those different spaces of community. Absolutely. That's good. I think on top, I think to add to that, it's also about laws should be reflexive of the time period. Oh yeah, definitely. So these laws are reflexive of like ancient Near Eastern culture. Right. That's apparent. And so I find it odd that in 2020, (laughs) (laughs) we are trying to hold ourselves to the same legal 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 codes of the of ancient near eastern cultures mm-hmm. no shade to them no, not at all <laughs> because like we said they were a very specific people going to a very specific place and so laws needed to be reflexive of what they were going to encounter and what was the goal and i think we talked about that on this episode like the goal like these were like these were people they like they weren't like a trained military like they were they had been formerly like formerly enslaved people that they had no type of like hierarchical structure they had no military they had like they and they needed and that's with any like population and nation at that time they needed bodies and the only way to produce bodies in this time period was procreation between a man and a woman and so and just addressing the elephant in the text homosexuality was like a was like a non-negotiable for them which means it was happening because they addressed it mm-hmm. so it's definitely happening so it's it's all it's always a debate like like it's a new thing like people have been doing this <laughs> like people have been uh been um same sex with, with uh people their same gender since the beginning of time probably like let's just throw that elephant out there so it's happening. They're addressing it because we need bodies. We need men. We need men who can who can stand up and fight. We need women who can have more babies. And the only way we can do that is by having people make babies. Right. Um, now in the age of 2020, where we have a plethora of people and new ways of creating human beings that have been proven time and time and time and time and time and time again, um, I think laws should be reflexive of that. And I, I don't think that's wrong but I think our problem is what we talked about earlier is when we wrap it up in uh, morality. So, so Leviticus has also been tied to the moral status. So like our moral integrity is tied to, and that's when you start talking about damnation and sin and hell and all of that. Um, and so, yeah, I'm definitely like, it's a hard book because it's been weaponized. Like most of it's been life. weaponized against people, um, and so and and that and that's dangerous. And so we talked about that. Leviticus is something you should definitely dive into. Um, for me, like I love law, like I love like studying law and policy and shit like that. So Leviticus is like a book for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also have to understand context. So if reading Leviticus just without context is like, oh shit, like they can do shit. And understanding like where they were going, yeah, it really helps understanding that. And so, for people who get who like get turned off by Leviticus, like you know, understand why um, we're working on getting sources like resources out. That like uh, the Bible Project is a really good, quick and easy resource. So if you just like, I want to know what this shit's about and why the Bible Project they talk about it really in detail. and we can share books and resources too, but 
Yeah, I just asked that question to you because I'm definitely one who's like, I take a page out of Thoreau, like civil disobedience, and that any law that like offends my humanness is an unjust law. And, you know, that's been passed on through Gandhi, even though he hated black people, um, Dr. King, and protesters in Ferguson and Baltimore. Not the ones who are currently protesting the stay at social distancing. Right. <laughs> Again, laws are put in place to protect communities. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you said, also who's like who's making the laws? Like mm-hmm. even now, people are protesting staying at home, even though it will save other people's lives. Yeah. But, um, right. <laughs> we can talk about that later. Yeah, it's a mess. We'll talk about that. So, speaking of a mess, let's talk about numbers. Oh my god, <laughs> mess! Literally, it should, it should be called mess. Well, so the Hebrew <laughs> translation Exodus, Deuteronomy, mess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the translation of numbers or where we get it from comes from in the wilderness. So the word for it translates to in the wilderness. And when I look around right about now, it feels like, looks like people are acting like it's a wilderness. And it's so crazy too, because a lot of, the wilderness stories that come out of numbers are based on the Israelites not following instructions and the laws that are set in place to get them where they need to go. And it really just reminds me of what's happening right now. People have been told to sit down, stay at home, avoid mass gatherings, wear your mask if you're out and about. And people are like, nah, I'm going to do me because I don't want to follow instructions. I don't want to follow the law. And then we also have people in power that continue to lead us in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Like, so I'm glad you brought TikTok. You should definitely watch the videos where they have people are um, acting out different states responses and so you have California closing the door you have New York sitting at home reading a book and then you have Georgia Texas Florida all walking outside with corona beer (laughs) and like y'all really Like, over the weekend, you know, everybody puts everything on Facebook because people keep wanting to go live. So they're (laughs) No, they're not. They don't. They are going live, Crystal. They are doing it. Right. They are going live, which is why. They're actually clicking the button. (laughs) Live. Let me tell you. Let me show you how I'm disrespecting everybody. I'm like, Galveston Beach in Houston or in Texas, I looked and I was like, oh, y'all got traffic. Y'all got people 
on every ounce of a sidewalk. And I was so disappointed with my people. But then again, who's in charge? Who has opened up these states? You talking about in Texas? Yeah. Yeah, y'all crazy. I mean, we crazy here too. It's like, yeah, I, feel like I feel like the governors of like Florida, Texas, and Georgia have a group chat. They do. <laughs> and are like, are y'all opening? Because <laughs> we open it. Oh, there's another one. Oh, who was it? Um, I think it was like a group chat one, or it was like a conference call where um, New York is like, okay, y'all, here's the situation. Here's what we're gonna do. And California is chilling. Um, other states are like, oh, okay, well, we'll we'll chill too. And then like um, Texas and Georgia are like texting each other, and they accidentally put it in the larger group text. And, like, New York is like, Georgia, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm sorry. That was meant for Florida. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, my God. Like, even, like, Keisha, like, Keisha was like, the numbers do not support opening. I have not, he has not called me. I, she said, I have called him. I Snapchatted him. <laughs> I, like, I hit him up on TikTok. Like, him has not been answering my calls. We are, I don't, like, like, literally not understanding what's happening. Not at all. But one of the things that I really wanted to touch base on is the fact that wilderness seasons are frustrating for everybody involved because we're all trying to figure out our feelings, first of all. Like, we, we've had lots of fun talking about the Israelites and their disrespect and their disobedience, but what happens when the life that you knew is all of a sudden stripped away from you? And so while it's crazy, it, it makes sense. And so just acknowledging that even in trying to follow instructions, trying to understand what it means to live through a pandemic because who has lived through a pandemic before? Um if you haven't if you weren't alive in <laughs> early 20th century, then nobody. Yeah. So if, are you a Spanish flu survivor? <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us how to navigate Corona? What were your yellow fever symptoms? I just want to know. Yeah. What are the hospital conditions? Did y'all have masks? Oh, you had dysentery? Me too. <laughs> Let me tell you all about it. But even yes. that, um, <laughs> so first, acknowledging that it's frustrating for everybody. Brings me to my next point. Um, the actions of a few impact a whole lot of other people. Oh my. So I hate going to the grocery store. Um, so the first four or five weeks I ordered online and just had groceries dropped off. And so one day I decided to venture out into the open with my, my brand new mask. I quickly learned that I couldn't wear a mask and my glasses at the same time. Like my glasses kept falling off and it was real ridiculous because I was trying to like not touch things, but then my glasses would fall off and then it was a mess. Anywho, so I'm going through this whole struggle to wear my mask in the store, stay six feet apart from people. Um, I actually have a bad habit of running up on people in a grocery store. 
And so I've had to like cut that down and just wait and be patient for people to move out the way. But I have, I see all these 50 to 60 year old white men walking around like there's no problem without their mask. And I'm like, but you're like the most at risk here. Bro, no mask. None at all. No gloves. None at all. And they definitely not washing their hands. I can tell you that from walking the corridors at Emory University. What I can tell you is that. I'm just... No shade, but I'm also going to turn off the lights because they are not washing their hands. And (laughs) they're just not. And I feel like it's a cultural thing. I'm... I don't want to overgeneralize. I'm just, gonna, but I, but you know, I went to high school. We were in sports together, and it was always a common thing. We would be like, "Y'all wash your hands," like literally, like anytime I go in the bathroom, I wash my hands just because I was in there. Because you should. <laughs> Even if I'm just going to get a vitamin, I'm going to wash my hands. Wash your hands. Yes. Wash. Just like I wash my chicken and my legs, I wash my hands. Sorry. It's okay. No, but I, I understand. Because Kroger has clearly put these lines down on the ground that say stand six feet apart. Yes. You don't have to guess. There is a clear marker. Let us not let these workers work go in vain with putting these stickers on the ground. Yes. That's not easy. Exactly. And definitely not, not especially if you at the Kroger versus the Kroger. Right. <laughs> because at the Kroger, not only if, if you don't listen, somebody will yell at you. Right. You will see a, a large, burly black man running towards you. Hmm. But at the Kroger, you can probably get away with that. <laughs> I just think. <sighs> They're not a strip. But yeah. And the last thing that this brought up and I was watching the Bible Project, so shout out to them. They said something along the lines of God will honor our choices. All of them, right? So thinking back to the time, I think this was the numbers when Moses decided to go ahead and hit that rock. Oh, yeah. Just to keep them people. Oh, yeah. And God was like, (laughs) you thought you ain't gonna make it. He's not going to the promised land. You not. You ain't. <laughs> but like for our our people that still don't think that this is very serious, it it is. It's like the numbers don't lie. We start stay in the house because we want to flatten this curve because we saw what corona did to these other countries and places like there's real life evidence we haven't heard from italy in a while mm. like mm. i remember when right. that when their video started coming out and people were like right because they were that was all italy lockdown italy lockdown like that's all we heard about italy's been like italy's been in a bag like people decide to listen because they saw what was happening and what was going to happen yeah yeah so it it's a wilderness we are all 
trying to cope. But yeah, we have to always think about what's best for our community. Yeah, always. And I mean, this is like a perfect segue to like the last book, uh, Deuteronomy, which, and you let me know what you think. I think explicitly is about leadership. Um, very clearly, the tone is said, Moses is not going to the promised land. Moses made mistakes. A few of Moses' people made mistakes, so they can't go. And if now this new generation is like, ha- one, has to deal with the ramifications of what their ancestors did, so they have to be responsible for fixing and, and revising shit, but then also, like, the fear of the unknown. So, like, we're also going into this new place, and I didn't sign up. Like, I didn't know I was, like, this, I didn't know I was going to be called on to lead upon this because you didn't do what you're supposed to do. So now, because you, because you fucked up, I have to jump into fix, fix it mode because of what y'all did. <laughs> and I kind of resonated with that part of Joshua because it's like a lot of times in leadership, you're cleaning up messes that other people have made mm-hmm. and not getting credit for it. And then also like people are expecting you to know all the shit that's going to happen. And when you don't, it's like, oh, you're a bad leader because you didn't know a media was going to hit earth. <laughs> it's like, wow. I didn't like how could I have known that? And it's just, Deuteronomy for me is just really, the handoff between Moses and Joshua is like a pivotal moment. And I mean, this is a pivotal moment because this is literally the the, the end of the Pentateuch. So it's like, if you could if you could section off the Bible, this is, would be the close of section one. Like this is act one, the end of act one. And Moses dies at the end of this book and Joshua is, literally taking the people on over and so it just reminds me one for me it was a lot of like one don't get too comfortable because you could be one you could be replaced at any second and you could be called upon at any second to step up um always be ready for change because like change happens and instead of like resisting against it, find a way, I guess the best way I've heard it is in the terms of a river. Like you don't fight the current, you follow the current. Yeah. And you just adjust to the way the current is going. And so just find a way to adapt. And the third thing for me is that I'm not on TikTok because TikTok is not for me. Uh, <laughs> it's for Joshua, it's for Joshua generation. And that's fine. That's okay, Joshua can have TikTok. You know, all the boys and girls are on there and they're doing their Whitney Houston videos, apparently, and (laughs) their Penny Proud videos. And that's great. I wish them the best. It's not for me. Um, And that's okay. I think, I don't know, that's that's another part too. I guess another thing I was thinking too with Deuteronomy is, do we always have to be included in what's new and for the culture? Is that or, or is that our need to like be a part of the uh, be a part of the culture mm. to like have to feel like oh like oh I'm on TikTok too I you know I'm hip I'm cool you know I was just wondering about that because it's like I'm sure TikTok will be I'm sure it'll find its way to my web browser. <laughs> it probably will. But yeah. how do but you know I'm. 
I'm sure in the in the in the next two years there'll be something else. You know, some other way for y'all to get on my nerves and take over my Facebook timeline. God. But yeah, so if you're really interested in leadership, um, you should definitely look at TikTok. <laughs> and you should definitely read Deuteronomy because it definitely shows a transition of power, but it also makes you think about how people lead and how people lead badly. We're in this position now where our government is making decisions that will implicate our nation for the next lifetime. Yeah. Um, we will be dealing with COVID-19 for the rest of our lives. Um, and somebody put it to me that way. It's not going away. And the implications are huge. Where, you know, we, we've lost almost 70,000 people within two months. Regardless of their age, that's, that's, I mean, that means, that means hundreds of people are dying a day. Right. If not thousands of people are dying a day. And that's huge. And our, we have leaders who are making jokes about it. We're telling people to do harmful things with their bodies um, about it. Um, there's a uh, shout out to Cap, uh, the, um, what is it called? Uh, Under Faith podcast, who kind of, they talked about um, capitalism as God mm -hmm. and how capitalism is um, crushing people. It's crushing states. So states like Georgia and Florida and Texas are putting capitalism above bodies. And so people who, the way they said it were, there are two types of people that are essential workers. So you have doctors, nurses, like who like have to go to work to save people's lives. And then you have people who have to work, who have essentially to work. Like, so people who are doing like, who are those middle wage workers who aren't salaried, who aren't full-time, who aren't getting benefits, who aren't collect, who aren't eligible for unemployment. And unemployment is trash because in the state of Georgia, it's only between two to $300. Mm. Um, so, and those people who have to work and how, you know, states are rushing to open, you know, for, to save the economy, but we're not worried about saving people. And leadership is all about that. So having effective leadership is crucial. And I, and I think the Bible shows us, shows us some really hor horrendous examples of leadership. Yeah, yeah. Moses, we praise Moses, Moses as a leader, but he also had very trash moments. <laughs> of leadership when he was like, fuck y'all. Like, I'm doing like, <laughs> like y'all been talking shit about me. Like, I'm sure Mo Moses had a few moments. We saw that with Noah. We saw that, we saw that with Adam and Eve. We saw that with, um, um, what's the thing name? Abraham. <laughs> he was the worst one. So leadership, so leadership is also a common theme in the Bible and not just how to do it right, but also how to do it wrong. And I think that that goes back to what we were talking about relationship peace. And I mean, you know, this kind of sums up our reflection of the Torah. Um, but that's why I think it's still relevant today. I think that it can speak, it speaks to relationships we all encounter. Mm. Um, and I think that it still it still has implications for our society, regardless if it is even if it's not used because we don't live in a overly religious 
society, we do live in a society that is undergirded by religious undertones. And right. it has been structured in a, by religiosity. Mm. But it is not as religious as it was created to be. Right. But but it, it still does impact. And even morally, our morals, there's even a quote, um, who said it? Is it James Locke? Um, that morals can't exist without religion. Mm. And that was his argument, you know, that that you cannot have morals without religion. And I could talk about that all day, but yeah. I, I hear it. Well, I think it, the, um, that wasn't a but. That was an and, I think, the Torah, the Pentateuch, also give us, like, these, I'm calling them firsthand experiences of what it means to get to know God, you know, this deity, this figure, this this God that I'm supposed to follow and follow these very direct instructions and listen to the person that has been appointed to speak for and to God while also dealing with my everyday life. Like, I, there's a quote, and it may be, uh, maybe Dr. Maya Angelou, who wrote about what it meant for her to be Christian or not what it meant for her to be Christian but I think someone who asked her like are you a Christian and she said something along the lines of well how can I be a Christian because I haven't arrived yet Ooh, like, Maya? Um, it's a journey yeah, yeah which is what the Torah is it's it's yeah journey of people becoming God's people. Yeah, that's it. That's it. God choosing these people <laughs> and them being like, oh, this is what this is like? Yeah. Because they yeah. don't know what's on the other side. They haven't yet made it to the land of milk and honey. They haven't made it to the promised land. They don't even know if it's there. We they don't even know, know if it's there. Like. We're, just, we're just walking through the wilderness. And I mean, think about that. God told you you're going to go somewhere where land is flowing with milk and honey. What does that even mean? Right. I'm going to a place where right. there are like rivers of milk. Like, is, it, is this where Willy Wonka lives? Yeah. yeah. You know, like, the amount of faith it took to even take that journey. Right. And we know the milk and honey symbolizes like wealth and prosperity. Like we know that now, mm-hmm. but like think about you know because we just throw that term around, you know. But I think that's I think that's really good. Yeah, and then because milk and honey also means different things too. Like yeah. what is what is wealth? What is prosperity? Mm-hmm. When God promises to make Abraham and all his living children and descendants um this great nation of people what what does that mean like when I think about the things I I pray for and how they end up turning out completely different than what I expected 
like I think that's also part of the story you know when they were out there grumbling in the wilderness because they weren't eating the same things they had in Egypt but there was something else there to fulfill those needs and being disappointed because it wasn't what they thought it was going to be so it's hard to me it just it hones in on this very human experience in getting to know God and trusting God and failing over and over and over again until somebody gets it right. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's good. That's 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 so theological. I mean, I look at it. I look at it so differently. I look at it more, like I think, like I said it earlier, like very politicized. Like it's a book of huge implications for people, but nations too. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, when you go all the way back, like the Holocaust is, you know, implications straight, like Nazism and fascism were taking straight, were taking points straight from Leviticus. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they're blaming the, the, the descendants of Abraham. You know, that's, the, that's their whole ruse is they're blaming them for Jesus's crucifixion. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, 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 a, it's a book of power. It's a book of pain. Uh, and understanding it really helps us understand, like, our society we live in. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that. I think that that's it. And so I want to ask a question mm-hmm. because somebody um, wanted, wanted to flex with me on Instagram. <laughs> um, and so they, I saw, uh, this was, the post was that the book of Revelation is only, the only book in the Bible um, where blessing is bestowed upon those who follow it. Basically, I I responded and said I I would disagree um, on two things. One, your anal- your analysis of Revelation, and then also I would disagree on your concept that Revelation is the only book. I was like, I I would argue that the entire Old Testament and specifically the Torah are like the concept of Torah is about covenant, like about these people were chosen to do this and they were promised this if they could do this. Mm-hmm. And they were like, nah, nigga, you wrong. <laughs> and we're like blessings. And I was like, I'm not done. So what do you think? Cause. Yeah. It, so first of all, <laughs> it is. So the Bible isn't just one book versus the other book versus the other story is this comprehensive arc where all of these um writings have been compiled by these people centuries ago to craft a very particular narrative and a narrative that was and is still needed by God's people today. 
So I need to brush up on my revelation knowledge. Um, I can, mm, yeah, it's not limited to just revelation. Like we know that in the Old Testament, we know that in the the New Testament, our Old Testament text in particular sets us up for the prophecy and the the promise of a savior who's going to come and set all that is wrong right again. And so even with that, like it's, it's the main promise that's the gospel. It is the story that we as Christians take and find hope in again because of what you mentioned earlier like we see a lot of the structures we see a lot of power we see a lot of people choosing not to follow God but instead follow themselves and so the text is always leading to how God is going to save us once again, mm-hmm. while also still being a story and a narrative of how we're God's people. Yeah. And that was a promise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, to the point about revelation, and my revelation stays a little bit fresher. I'm also taking a course on it in the spring. Oh. So I'll be an expert. But what I do know about Revelation is that it's filled with, with reoccurrences. So like Le- Revelation's like characters are like Le- the, the Leviathan and the Leviathan has like seven eyes and then there are seven chairs and then there are seven cherubim. So like there are patterns in Revelation that, that are symbolizing themes we've seen in earlier texts. Mm-hmm. But Revelation is not like you said, it's not the only book that does that. It affirms what we've seen before. Mm-hmm. And so like these things about the chair and the ornament and what this and what that means, it's full of like uh, of like allegories and also like mm-hmm. um occurrences, but it's very but it's but it's poetry. Right. Uh, Revelation really is a book of poetry. Right. Um, and it's a book of 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 occurrences so things are repeating itself with signs and numbers and symbols there's there are seven hells and three you know so there are these different but for to make that broad generalization that it's the only book of promise mm-hmm. once again it's dangerous <laughs> because it then again it's like oh well yeah these other books aren't providing like revelation and they don't provide blessing and then it also makes because the content when when we say that Revelation is the only book that that enables promise, and we know that people don't read Revelation because Revelation is a hard book to understand, right. and it's a hard book to interpret. We then once cut off people from the Bible and saying like, "Oh yeah, Revelation is good," because even people were debating this person and saying, "I don't think that's a great." He was like, "Well, you're wrong. And you need to read." No, I say, well, you need to explain and elaborate. And then you need to give me your sources because I can give you mine now. Hmm. They blocked me. Not really? Yeah, it's fine. I'll just use my personal page. But, you know, it's like, 
yeah, so that was that. But I mean, yeah, y'all. So I think we just went through the whole tour of damn. We did it. Mm-hmm. We did it. Well, homies, we're gonna take a quick break and then we are going to um have some church announcements from um what's his name? Uh, Ricky Smiley will be here. Wow. All right, and we're back. Yeah, we're back. <laughs> back in the back in the with church announcements. Ooh-ooh. So actually church announcements are my favorite part of church. <laughs> if your church don't do announcements during the service, or if they're not enthusiastic. If they're not in video form, <laughs> if somebody doesn't stand up and read the bulletin to you, I do not want it. Thanks. Yeah. In 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 all high church fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I it's it's really like reading the church announcements is a sacred part of service. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because the mother gets up there, um, and you know, she literally she goes from like past anniversary to uh who got elves on their report card it's like a <laughs> the gamut of church announcements could literally be anything whatever you call to the front office that's what they're gonna write in the bulletin write it make a note tell your liturgist to say it and this is how you pronounce so-and-so's name <laughs> don't mess it up do not mess it up <laughs> shoot i didn't see church announcements turn on well, you know now, because you know now, churches are they doing the uh, the the video announcements? Mm-hmm. So you know you have some churches that do you know it's it's a screen to be playing, but now nah, I I want somebody to read them to me, mm-hmm. and then tell me to govern myself accordingly. I need that, like I need that, <laughs> I need I need that, and I I appreciate it. So I would agree with that. I love church announcements too. <laughs> we love it so much that it will be. A segment now for Holy Asylum? Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's happening. <laughs> that's <what's laughs> happening. Um, because there are so many announcements that have to be made to people. And I know people have, you know, not been in church and so they, you know, have been missing those church announcements. And there there's just been some critical things that have happened. Um and so and I I think we're called to get the word out about a few of these things. Um mm-hmm. so I mean I mean if I mean, I'll go ahead and start. I mean, my, my first church announcement is basically, um, as you as you can tell, some churches have decided that they are going to remain open because God told them <laughs> to do so, and that um, um, so some churches have decided to do that. Uh, black churches have not. Um, so black churches have chosen to, you know, keep their doors closed, and they are still having service and funerals and weddings on Zoom. Or the phone, uh, if they don't know how to work the Zoom. Over the phone. Um, My mom was on a conference call last Sunday. At the church? Mm-hmm. Bro, she said, I'm my, on a call. My, my grandmother is on, the, is on the, uh, the flag ministry at the church, and they have been have holding rehearsals on via Zoom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dance team has been holding rehearsals on Zoom too. And my grandmother was so frustrated because she's like, 
you know, I, she don't, my grandma, my grandma don't, didn't, don't even have internet. She was like, I don't know how to use the Zoom. And she was knocking stuff over with her flag, practicing in her, in her kitchen. I was like, oh, this is a mess. I was so upset. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you go to a church that has decided to open their doors, you need to find another church. Uh, I'm going to just keep it sweet and short um, because that church is going to kill you. Um, like old boy in Florida and Texas and parts of Georgia, <laughs> which we call the hell trifecta. So, um, chosen three. Yeah. Yo, yeah. Not, I wouldn't say chosen, but maybe disobedient three. Um, but yeah, so, um, some church have decided to remain open. Um, most have not. And I, I, and Crystal put me on this, but you know, people have been debating about how, um, the right of the government to impose, keep the, to keep a church closed. Does the, does the, does the government have that authority, uh, to do so? And, you know, some, there's a lot of, a lot, a lot of argumentation around, uh, you know, First Amendment rights, freedom of religion, and how does that, how does that impact uh, public health? Um, it's a mess. So, but basically, Black people already know what it is. You have, you know, you're doing the right thing, and um, hopefully your pastors are too. Amen to that. Well, up next in our church announcements, the Clark Sisters movie came out several weeks ago now. Oh, my God. And I finally watched it. Oh. I finally watched it. Thoughts. So I'm glad I, I watched it without my churchy timeline. <laughs> um, I could like watch it on my own. Bro. And I see all the lines pop up before they actually pop up in the showing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I love it. And so I didn't grow up, well, you know this, I didn't grow up in church. So a lot of Black church culture. I've had to learn over the years. And so I knew about the Clark sisters. I knew about um, You Brought the Sunshine. And that was pretty much it. Also knew about Kiara, because dance to her, crazy dance, practice. But I didn't know much about her mama and the aunties. So shout out to all of the Black women that were in that film who helped produce that film co-produce executive produce like as the credits rolling by i was like oh missy mary yeah. missy mary in that job um, queen but there are like other people too i was like oh everybody put their hand in this pot yeah like, absolutely and it was really for a lot li- it was really good for a lifetime movie because you know lifetime has a history <laughs> of slaughtering black women's roles in our society i mean if we just want to name a few um Whitney. <laughs> Never watched it. Which they are still refusing to play uh that Aaliyah Princess of R and B movie a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, Lifetime Lifetime doesn't do a good job of handling black women, black people's stories. So mm-hmm. I was sh- sh- surprised. My timeline was so churchy because I did watch the premiere. <laughs> so I got on Facebook and it was literally like black church had arrived like they were like this is our moment <laughs> we're line for line bro and you and you me and you follow the same people so i'm positive yeah. i'm positive we were seeing the same comments and the same responses yeah. uh, i really enjoyed um i didn't know a lot about the clark sisters either but what has been really exciting to me is seeing them like 
like they're on my timeline today, every day. Like I've on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. So so it just begs the the idea of like how um you know they're they're you know they're older and later in life, but there's never a time where you can't like like come up and like they're they're I mean they're still doing interviews and you know uh, they got Twinkie out here on on IG Live. <laughs> So I mean, it's, so I mean, seeing the elders like get the one get the respect they deserve, mm-hmm. um, and like get financially compensated, and it just shows it's never like it's never late too late in life to be hustling, um, mm-hmm. you know, and working, and that you know you will be recognized because I think I had even read something like they hadn't they won a Grammy but they never actually received it, yeah, or something like that. Um, yeah. It was just something I heard and read, um, and then also, you know, everybody's in a in a family drama trying to figure out yeah. why why uh, Kiki was finna fight Denise <laughs> at the funeral. Black church is drama, so you know everybody's been on Wikipedia and Shade Room. <laughs> Did Denise actually do that at the funeral? They said, yeah. They said. It was like pretty accurate, like, and oh, they yeah. and because what Kiara said in the interview, she said she she has never even met her aunt Denise. Oh wow! Yeah, so apparently it's like ongoing. Which that's that makes me sad. Actually, it was on her <laughs> Instagram today because you know they all have Instagrams, and I saw she. I told you. <laughs> A you happy go. birthday posts for Kiara. So. Hopefully, maybe all of the media and publicity at some point leads them back to reconciliation. Reconciliation. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I can see Ayana doing a fix my life with the Clark sisters. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can see it. Maybe not Ayana. I, can, I mean, I know it's her lane. <laughs> is it her lane? Or, or, or did Oprah just tell her, this is what I want you to do? Maybe let like Mama Oprah hear that one. Okay. Those roots run deep. But also like shows the complexity of being a black woman in a church space too. Yeah, that's too. had um Clark at the beginning trying to beat up um Mama Maddie. Um some of the men in the film were just absolute trash. And they were church men too. Mm-hmm. And so for them to continue to pursue their calling in the midst of um patriarchy and something to tear them down left and right from not being able to record when they were younger up until um mama being sat down by the the kojic men mm-hmm. so complicated and plenty of opportunities to go and do other music and pursue other careers and yet they persisted yeah it also made me think of the complicated relationship between the black church black women and like music mm-hmm. and i learned this from from dr fire brown shout out to Candle school of theology <laughs> but she um she often talks about like black like women weren't allowed to speak from the mic unless they were singing 
Mm-hmm. And so black women found ways to quote unquote preach, but it was singing. Mm-hmm. It was, that's why you see t- titles like psalmist or evangelist or art artist or whatever, because they couldn't preach, but they could sing. And so black women found ways to like sing and, you know, spread the word of God, but it was like circumventing. So I was just thinking about that, like as they were singing, because, you know, mm-hmm. I think Dorinda is like a yeah. minister now or a pastor. Yeah. Um, and she's Kojic, like she's super Kojic, coach, like Kojic coach, like mm-hmm. brimstone coach, like we tearing until till noon. So it. <laughs> it makes me think like that contrast, like yeah, like super conservative, but also in the conservative space, you're the, um, you know, you're the anomaly. Mm-hmm. No, so yeah, I thought it was an excellent film. I thought it was done well. Um, if you haven't seen it, you should definitely watch it. Um, Lifetime, I'm sure, is getting a diversity view. So definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I could you imagine if BT had made this movie? Oh God! Imagine if Tyler Perry had got his hands on that. No, story. we're not. We're not doing this today. Just imagine Medea popping up at next. <laughs> Speaking of, I've watched the Oval, and uh, I don't have words. Um, nope. Which is unfortunate. So, um, next church announcement was um, recently. The church world has decided to um, throw their hat into a uh, virtual musical duel. Mm-hmm. And so we had uh, two heavyweights, uh, Hezekiah Walker and John P. Key. Uh, Hezekiah Walker has written some of the songs such as, uh, all his songs sound the same, but anyways, uh, <laughs> songs such as uh, Grateful. Or um, what's another Hezekiah Walker song? You don't know? I know John B. Key sound like a bird. <laughs> what? Ooh, I just, oh, ooh, oh, ooh. okay. So Hezekiah did every praise. Every um, praise to our God. Every Lord of worship and what a core. Every praise. Every so a lot of gospel songs, I usually don't know who sings them. I just know them. And that's and that's and that's facts. That's facts. But so what, God, is that, all right, what, what is he responsible for? Every praise, God favored me, grateful. Mm-hmm. I need you to survive. Oh, okay, I know that one. So when I was, um, isn't it odd they always sing "I need you to survive" at funerals? why i'm just saying isn't that a little odd like so yes but also what does a funeral communicate to the living we Ooh, need bring it back mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Teach, family teach, teach, teach. people that are still living oh there you go there you go so that's it so that's it so yeah. i'm i'm not saying it to the deceased i'm saying it to the people around me Yes. Got you. I'm with you. Teach me. Because you know I don't be knowing. Yeah, that's that. Although, when I was younger in church, my um, pastor, the second pastor of the church that I had gone to growing up, he um, had cancer. And 
I went to a church where I remember there's this time period where there are all these church choir movies coming out. So there was the one with Beyonce. There was another one. Anywho, all these movies, churches were going into these competitions. And so every time I like listened to my church choir, I was like, y'all ain't winning nothing. Bro. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> it, you, but you are right. It, I do remember that era. Church, churches were competing. Hey, you could tell. Oh, my goodness. It was a mess. We're, we still have a Fighting Temptations. There we go. Oh, my God. And I used to love that movie. But It, um, it was the knockoff sister act, too, that we didn't deserve but didn't want either. Yeah. But <laughs> He still loves me. It's still my favorite. But, um, so... Church choir really couldn't sing, but then they learned grateful and sang it every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Every single Sunday. You- I mean, grateful is one of those songs where it's just like, you know, it's it's real simple. <laughs> it's literally, literally two or three words. And then you the last word you're just repeating and modulating higher and higher. Um and which and I'm married to a musician, so literally she's like it's three chords, which in most of the songs in the black church are three chords. Mm-hmm. Um that's why musicians are a dime a dozen, because you're all you playing you're playing the same three or four songs and changing the melody. Mm-hmm. That's really it. Uh, but I mean not knocking off Hezekiah and John P. Key, they've written a lot of music. And mm-hmm. so they engaged in a Instagram battle, um, Instagram live. Um <laughs> and it was and it was pretty good. Did you watch? I watched part of it. I think something else was coming on at night. It may have been insecure. Probably. Probably. But again, and so, and I felt the same way about um, Auntie Erica and Auntie Jill. Like I walked into like a grown folks conversation and just kind of like sat down. I was like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I'll see y'all. Yeah. Because <laughs> so these last two, so theirs and um, Jill and Erica, they they're they're not they weren't like competitive. They were no, like not at all. these are our music. So I, that's why I get thrown off by the term battle, yeah, or versus because it's really that's not what it is. Like this one that's coming up with Nelly and Ludacris, like that's wow. that's already caused animosity. And I'm from St. Louis and living in Atlanta, so when I say I'm I'm literally in spiritual warfare. Are you really? I am, because let me say something bad against Ludacris here. You get shot. True. Back home, niggas don't even fool with Nelly like that, but unless you say anything bad about him, you're gonna, and and people in St. Louis will shoot you for no reason. For no reason. For no reason. Um, Yeah, I meant that. But, but But I mean, I think it's, I think it's just really good to see like this time where you know these artists are trying to you know help people cope and play music. It was I know for a lot of our elders who have recently joined the uh, social media movement, um, you know all the grandmas and aunties and great grandmothers who have now uh, created uh, Instagram accounts. I know it was really powerful for them to log in and see John Peaky and Hezekiah Walker. Um, I really am looking forward to Mary Mae versus City Girls. Oh. Um, I think Yolanda Adams is scheduled to battle Megan Thee Stallion. 
Oh. Um, so I'm really excited what's happening in a gospel music, gospel in the secular. I'm really excited. Yeah, they probably yeah. tell each other. Bear hug when they're done. Yeah. <laughs> is Yolanda from Houston? Oh, she is. She is. Yes. I actually pay my to see Yolanda and Megan. I would too. All right. Green Leaf announced that they will be airing their final season. And I don't know how to feel. I did see. This caught me off guard. I did see this. I feel like the show is just getting started. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I don't know how to feel about this. You know. Like what's, what, like what's your, what's your, what's, what's happening here? So the show has gone down many <laughs> different roads from seasons one through five and so with bishop still being alive at the end of season four because that was like the big cliffhanger oh yeah yeah he, oh he him. was yeah he was oh yeah yeah yes yeah you're right so had he died i think the show may have lasted a little bit longer but i feel like the i feel like the writing hasn't been consistent like that's fair all these niggas hate Grace for no apparent reason. Like Grace is like, like Grace came in her mother's like, I hate you. <laughs> I was like, what did she do? Like, cause she light skin. The Tyler Perry, right? <laughs> you know. I mean, I mean, that's the only reason I like they hate they hate her. They hate Grace. Um, what's her name? Gave her husband an STD and then threatened him in the stand where I was like, what? <laughs> Charity. Oh my god. Um yeah. Charity, that's it. That, bro, they were memeing the hell out of her. I was I was I was I felt bad for her, but she was really stupid. Then yeah, her and her gay husband, that was like unclear. Like he I never saw him again. The baby either. Like I don't know where the baby went. With him. Oh yeah. Then Grace has a son and she had a baby with a white dude and her and yeah, I'm yeah. It's, um, I don't know. I felt like I don't know. It, it seemed like it just seemed all over the place. I still love it though. Still do. I think, I think a lot of people do. I'm wondering why they are aren't aren't going for another season though. I think they've realized that it may be time to let it go. You think so? Yeah. I think some shows have a natural end to them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be like Scandal and go eight seasons when it was really been at like three and four. Yes, yes. Scandal could have been done. But I still loved it. Every second of it. Okay. Um, oh, yes, Saints. When it premieres, we will have a watch party. Yeah, we will. Um... Oh, so another church announcement. Um, so if you haven't heard, um, a new species has arrived in on the continent. Um, so get your pokeballs ready. Um, according to various public health experts and animal scientists, um, 
the Chinese uh, murderous hornet has um, spread to North America. These hornets um, are large enough to kill small rodents and even people. So, you know, if you ever, you know, you know, have an enemy, um, all you need is go catch a hornet and you can get rid of them. Um, apparently they're there. They have been seen almost like eight to 10 inches long. So yeah, um, large enough for you to fly away on. And I'm just wondering if God really just wants us to pack up and leave because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what 2020 is throwing at us and, and why 2020 has this energy. Um, and um, I don't, I don't know. And so, um, you know, as you are dealing with these hornets, uh, take precaution. Just don't go outside. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Just don't do it. Well, I have read a few articles now saying that for now, we are relatively safe from the hornets from what they're attracted to, to um, the fact that it, it, they can't spread as fast as Rona. As like a species, it's gonna, it's gonna take some time for them to really be a threat. But if you are one of those people that likes to look at bugs, although I'm not sure why anybody would wanna do that. But if you are, I would just be very cautious if you see a new kid on the block that is bigger than your average bee, fly, whatever the category, scorpion, these things fall into. Yeah, what else can happen in 2020? I don't wanna ask, never don't, mind. Please don't, please don't. <laughs> it's, it ain't even June yet. We ain't even hit the halfway mark. <sighs> well, um, last yeah. up in our church announcements. This is for all of you. Please do not eat, drink, inject, inhale, snort, whatever else you can do with cleaning products other than clean. Please don't do it. It's been proven to kill folks. That's it. And it's very simple. Y'all dumbass president really said, like, is there a way that we can inject this into people? Um, because I've seen it kill bacteria off tables and immediately, immediately, hospitals started receiving reports <laughs> of, of your non-melanated cousins who had made themselves a bleach martini or a Clorox and lemonade. <laughs> um, and it has not cured one example of Rona. It's in, it, and I find it odd now that top White House officials are now receiving the Corona disease. Like, like uh, vice president, like the vice president's aide has it. Um, Somebody else has it. 
there's a few people in, in the in, but who are like top officials who have it. And I just find it odd that Trump was like, yeah, go outside, do whatever y'all want to do. And Georgia was like, bet, opens the door. Um, and yet, in a, y'all can't even keep it out the White House, like the, the White House. Um, I'm just, I'm torn. But yeah, um, final church announcement, don't drink cleaning products because all it will do is kill you. And um, yeah, that's about it. Oh, look, Mike Pence actually wore his mask today. Good job, Mike. How did he get into a whole hospital not wearing one? Beats me. Mike Pence does what he wants to do. Well... And that is it for our church announcement. If you have a church announcement, well, actually, yeah, if you have a church announcement, let us know. So you can send it to our email at askholyshell at gmail.com if something we missed or something you think the general population needs to know. And yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. Um, so let's go ahead and do shout outs. Let's wrap it up. Wrap up the final episode and we can do shout outs. You got any shout outs, CG? You shout out? I don't know if I would frame it as a shout out. I mean, it, it is a shout out, but it's under the worst of circumstances. So today as I was scrolling on social media, I came across, I think it's the um, story of Rihanna Taylor. Mm. Mm -hmm. and lots of feelings there but her family has retained the same lawyer that Ahmaud Arbery's family has right now and so my shout out goes to that man as well as all of the other people in the justice system legal system from lawyers to state officials that are working on behalf of making sure that these murders have to at some point come to an end. So again, not a shout out under the the best of circumstances but for the people that are doing the hard worker of going up head-on against white supremacy and being at the forefront of strategizing to make sure that these cases are known to make sure that people know how that they how they can also uh, make a difference and change everywhere yeah yeah, I, de I definitely feel that. And also, I think me and you were talking about this, but it's just shout out to Black Black people and people who are pushing them, who are applying public pressure so mm -hmm. that, like, this was a thing. Like, Breonna Taylor was, I think she she was murdered back in February, too. Mm -hmm. um, and we just see it far too often in our stories where justice is delayed until we know about the situation. Mm -hmm. And even now, details are coming out about the Ahmad case in which the DA tried to forego the arrest, and there are some other issues. Of, so now the DOJ has initiated um, 
an investigation into the handling of that case and so but that that would have that wouldn't have happened without us mm-hmm. like without us telling like being like the story holders and like pushing it forward so it's important mm-hmm. it's important well my shout out goes to um I'm going to shout out all of the essential people out here who are keeping the world going. Um, I got a, a lot of friends who are doctors and work in the medical field and just seeing them hustle and grind and work and, you know, they're working nonstop. Like they're nonstop. They're, ex- they're exposing themselves, their families. Um, they're, you know, it's just been a lot, but just shout out to them who are literally holding this country together. I was doing some research on like what flattening the curve and raising the line, all of that means and why it's important that we take care of our, you know, our healthcare workers. So if you're not familiar with that language, definitely look it up and why it's important, why we need, that's why we need the social distance because we don't need to overwhelm our, uh, we don't need to overwhelm our hospitals for like people who are like, Still giving birth. I got a friend who gave birth this week. <laughs> she was like, you know, her, her birthing process was totally different because of Rona. So, yeah. Yeah. But shout out to all the doctors and nurses, and medics, and little test people, all of you. You guys are dope and we're thankful for you all. Amen. All right. Well, since we are going on summer break, let's tell our listeners what we will be up to. It's more so you than me, DJ, so go ahead. The floor is yours. Oh, no. No, homie. The floor is yours. And I've been waiting for this moment. So if you guys have not known, um, CG has literally just uh, graduated Graduation looked a little different than we thought when we first started this way back in January. But we're going to turn up a little bit. Oh, that's my song. Ah, ah, ah. Nigga, you graduated. (laughs) And I'm playing this song because Nigga Crystal is from Texas, as you guys may know. You're from Houston, right? So, you know, Crystal, oh, let me turn it up, has um, graduated and has a job. So, has a, officially started her job, or has, you already started? Mm-hmm. With Emory University. Can I say your job title? Sure. Program coordinator. And tell the people what you'll be doing, yo. Whew. I'll be doing a little bit of everything. So I have the honor of helping a program literally launch off the ground in public theology. So what DJ and I are currently doing with this podcast, plus plus the other ways that we see theology interacting in the world outside of the traditional four walls of the church. So what I'm most excited about is to still be able to work with students on their own personal public theology projects and to give them a platform to see themselves um, grow and to truly 
own their space as theologians. Yes, dope. Uh, so really excited about her in this new role. We were gonna pop bottles in, in the studio. That's, you know, we're, we're closed. Going. So we're toasting from um, via Zoom. But man, congrats to you for doing that um, and for like all that you have done. I like this job. Y'all just don't understand. Like what she's doing is dope. She's literally like taking what we've been talking about, but taking it to like people on the streets, people who are involved in the work and who are doing the work and about the business of like debunking myths about the Bible and theology and um, informing people. Cause we, and as we talked about like why that's important because the Bible has been weaponized in ways that are harmful to a lot of people. Um, and a lot of people don't have access to the truth about it or the resource to like learn about it themselves. And so her job is really, and you know, is really, is really doing that. Um, so I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Turn out. You're so weird. <laughs> um, so yeah, what's next? What do we need to do? You have to tell people what you're doing this summer. Oh, yes, that's right. This, okay. Uh, this summer, I am... Um, working so i got a fellowship for the summer so i'll be working um, for um organization here in georgia um basically handling re-entry so for those who don't know a lot of my work and research is around um faith-based organizing but approaches to re-entry holistic approaches to re-entry so i'm working with an organization called the georgia justice project in which we'll be doing that um kind of revamping it because we're looking at how COVID-19 is impacting like those who are being released from prison and the ways they're able to get help because um yeah they just face a lot of different challenges because of COVID-19 in securing employment and other things too so yeah so uh I'll be working on that for the summer and I will be back at Emory in the fall to finish up and um yeah that's it Oh, and also potty train Zora, but that's a given. Yay, Zora. We love to see it. And your fellowship too. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which one are you talking which one are you what you talking about? I was excited about Zora being potty trained. Oh yeah. yeah. I know that's that's the labor of love to make that happen. Yeah. I mean we at home might as well, might as well. I just will. I also think I'm gonna do some courses on LinkedIn. Wow. Okay. But the Georgia's Justice Project is happy to have you. Thank you. And it's going to really help you launch into your future career. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I'm nervous about it. Don't be. You got this. Yeah, I know I do. You know, it's be that it be that imposter syndrome that be creeping up. You gotta fight that. Cause this is your lane. You right, you right, you right, you right. Literally what you do. 
All right. Well, I think that's it. Where you at? On Instagram. But I'm here now. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to edit this part. That's fine. All right. Well, I guess we will see y'all in August. It's been real. Thank y'all so much for listening and learning with us and engaging with us. We appreciate it. Uh, we're thankful for the, um, you know, just the space to work and sit with some of these ideas. And as always, feel free to contact us on social media at Holy as Hell, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and by email at askholyashell at gmail.com. Yeah. And we'll be back in August. Stay tuned for our preview at some point over the summer of what we'll be talking about in season two. Yerp. <laughs>